0: Our guest today is a playwright, journalist, historian, photographer, actor, and drag queen. It's among the most esteemed names within the scene to come out of New York City. She's been a part of the culture for decades and shows no sign of stopping anytime soon. I'm honored to have with me today, the marvelous
1: Linda Simpson. Hello. Well, thank you so much. I'm flattered by your introduction. I'm glad I do my best. (laughs) So coming up in the drag scene
0: in the late 80s, was there anyone in particular you feel helped you name make a name for yourself or guided you? And would you say that you had a drag mother or a drag father?
1: Um, not necessarily a drag mother or drag father, but I had role models. Um, I was... Um, Immersing myself in the East Village scene at that point. And the Pyramid Club had a stable of stars. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fascinated and admired them, too. And that included such drag queens as Taboo, uh, Sister Dimension, um, RuPaul even was part of that, Uh, Lady Bunny, Happy Face, uh, Billy Beyond, et cetera. And um, Taboo, I would say, was the most instrumental in my uh, drag um, immersion because uh, we became friends. But as far as like getting advice, etc. about like, you know, what to wear, what to do, et cetera, I kind of just absorbed that on my own mostly rather than looking to a particular mentor.
0: Was there anything in particular you absorbed from or anything that you drew from
1: Well what I was really you know, what really drew me to the East Village scene was that it had a you know, huge sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Drag at that time was really square, most other places. It was very like old and dowdy and dusty. I mean, no one wanted drag at that point. The gay bars did not want drag at all. And so the East Village was such an exception where drag was being celebrated in kind of a tongue-in-cheek sort of punk rock way. And so I was really enthused because it was so energetic and just such a great, you know, cutting-edge take on this art form that didn't have such a, you know, fantastic reputation at that point.
0: Gotcha. And... On a similar topic, I think there's a lot of people today that never got to experience the 80s and 90s drag scene and glamorize it quite a bit. And to some extent, that's totally valid because it's so monster to what drag is today. However, from your experience, what was the least glamorous aspect of the scene then that you often feel gets ignored or overlooked by people today?
1: A, it was dangerous in many ways to be a drag queen, just because, you know, the general public had very little understanding of it, and homophobia was very prevalent. So anybody dressing up as a woman, their motives were kind of misunderstood. A lot of people didn't see it like as being humorous or fun. They saw it as being freaky and something that was very negative and or else they thought it was you know they just associated with like you know fags and you know so you had to watch your back and I think and of course I mean you know obviously AIDS was at its peak back Mm. then so that really had you know a major effect on each and everything that was going on you know in the gay umbrella.
0: Nightclubs and bars come and go all the time in New York. I'm sure you've experienced that. Is there any one bar or nightclub that closed that you are particularly sad to see go? And if so, why?
1: You know, I kind of started out doing shows at the Pyramid, and the Pyramid's still there. It's not a drag hangout anymore. But I got hired from my, you know, minor fame at Pyramid to start hosting at this Building called uh, this club called The Building. And I can't even remember what exact street it was. It was like East 25th or 6th. But it was this incredibly architectural, uh, impressive building. It had been, I think, an old factory or something. And it was hollowed out. So it had an archive. uh, uh, I mean, uh, um, what's it called? An atrium with about like three stories of balconies, which you could just kind of walk to. And, you know, it's kind of like what's that museum? The Upper East Side Museum, the Guggenheimer. Yeah, you know was where yes, Exactly. I mean not that of course fancy. but it really did have that sort of effect and it was just so impressive. And um, it kind of shined bright. There's not much documentation that I can find online. but it shined bright and the party that um, I threw with some other people was great. It was fantastic. We had the VIP room while well, most of the club was uh, like these straight kids. But um, I really wish that that had been preserved because that was, Really an interesting space. And the other one I would say, damn you, NYU, was the Palladium Club. Because that was really, honestly, that was so, that was a crime that that was torn down. I mean, now it's, of course, I think they're called the Palladium Dorms, aren't they? Uh Uh-huh. But... NYU, that was not a great thing to do. I mean, maybe if it had been NYU, it would have been some other developer that would have torn it down. But really, like a big theater space like that converted into a nightclub, which was just fantastic, really deserved to be preserved. You won't get anything like that ever again.
0: So to shift a little bit towards you and your the things that you've done, Uh, just to list a few of your many accomplishments. You've been written about in the New York Times, published your own magazine, written and produced plays, had museum exhibits, and much, much more. Uh,
1: Well, don't forget that I cured cancer.
0: (laughs) How could I forget? Thank you. So are there any of your accomplishments that you're most proud of?
1: Well, I guess one of them is (laughs) longativity. Like you mentioned, I have been around for a while. And, um, you know, many of my peers from that day have, you know, faded, decided not to do drag, not faded, but they haven't, they've decided to give up drag or they don't do it anymore. I mean, you know, there's some going strong, but I think partially, you know, there's a lot of drag queens now. And I think we'll see who, you know, stands the test of time. And not that I'm trying to, you know, brag that I've been around for so long, but there is something to be said for true, I think, um, inhabitants of drag mm-hmm. and others who might be doing it a bit, yeah, for the time being.
0: Yeah. Uh, On that note, so... For many, keeping to one career for a long period of time could be daunting and will sometimes lead to a career change. What is it about drag that has kept you doing it for so long?
1: Well, I think many other people who do drag too would agree and that it just really is um, this platform for you to do lots of different things. So I've managed to, you know, do everything from, as you mentioned, playwriting and being in my own plays and, like, having an underground magazine. And I host Bingo nowadays. That's I'm a game show hostess. So that, you know, it just allows you for all these different kinds of stuff. And I think... A lot of drag queens are very versatile in that regard. I mean, some specialize, of course, in you know what they do, like singing, et cetera. But I think drag is just the best part about drag. Is it really? It does allow a lot of like wide ranged artistic expression, and I think I've taken advantage of that. Oh, definitely. Some by accident, but some by design. What did you stumble into by accident? Well, you know, I mean, I've been offered things here or there, and you know, I've taken advantage of them. Maybe, you know, it was like, for instance, in the 90s, I was on this public access cable TV show. Really? It was called Party Talk, and it was on Manhattan Public Access. But it actually kind of grew and then was kind of like nationally distributed a little. This is kind of a difficult time for shows like that to grow bigger because it was pre-internet. Yeah. So we kind of reached a plateau. But I was asked to be a correspondent, and from there I... um you know, was um, elevated to co-host us. And it really got, it was really fun. I really loved being on television. I probably should have pursued it. But um, it was a great opportunity to um, be a media personality. I mean, not everything about that experience was perfect, but I was on it for a few years and and I definitely had, you know, some great experiences.
0: If you weren't doing drag, what do you think you'd be doing instead?
1: Well, let's see. I think I'd probably still try to be involved in artsier stuff. In fact, I like writing. So and in some ways, I feel like being a drag queen kind of distracts from like writing as much as I would like. So um, I probably I would hopefully be pursuing writing or some sort of, you know, artistic expression.
0: You've done both journalistic and creative writing. Are you better or more inclined towards one than the other?
1: You know what? I'm t- actually I'm trying to do some creative writing now, and I think after being a journalist for a few years, I've had I'm kind of having trying to shift my uh, viewpoint because I'm I noticed that my writing can be kind of a little bit drier now because I'm trying to get the facts the who what where when why in yep. every paragraph, mm-hmm. when you don't need that of course. In fact, you want to be more atmospheric in many ways. Maybe that proves I was a good journalist, but 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 I have written some plays, and that was and I want to do more. But um, I'm trying to do some fiction writing now, too. I mean, I've got tons, like, you know, stuff I want to do. I think I just really have to, like, you know, focus. When it comes
0: to writing, do you have particular inspirations or people that you read a lot that you kind of draw from?
1: Yeah. I'm rereading for my 800th time is the book, Valley of the Dolls. Mm. Now, Valley of the Dolls was also made into a movie. Yep. The movie's very campy. yeah, and, and not bad, but the book is great. The book is an epic. In order for the movie to have been um, completely, you know, an honest uh, take on the book, it would have had to have been about four hours long. So, because um, the book is really, really fascinating, but I like it a lot because it is... Um, it's a soap opera, but it's it's dark in many ways. There's a lot of like, yeah, um, seriousness about it in some ways. Do you ever think you'll stop doing drag? I'm sure when I get you know very old, just dressing up in drag will not be as much um, as easy as it is now, and it's not very easy now. <laughs> um, so there might be an end to the uh, accoutrements, but you know. I don't think that my drag persona is completely divorced from my male persona. So Linda will always exist. She might not as make many appearances when she's 88 years old. But I think that, you know, you can't bury her before she's dead. Have you found that standards of success have
0: changed within this scene between when you first started and now, particularly by Queens itself?
1: Yeah, they've kind of hired... There are higher standards now and they are kind of lower standards now in some ways. I think in some ways, you know, drag, because, you know, because um, the drag scene is all, you know, dominated by RuPaul's drag race, demands a lot in terms of having to have, you know, the right wigs, the right makeup, the right techniques, you know. And so there are a lot of very talented drag queens that are um, put into the spotlight. But at the same time, the program relies on putting some people, I think, that are not quite as talented in the spotlight. Yeah. So that's sort of like, you know, people that are really not that talented get a lot of attention. And then some people who are very talented get some great attention, which they deserve. So I think back in my day, it ran the range, but people weren't being careerist back then too. You were doing drag because it was fun. I mean, I mean, there might've been a few of us like Ru and I think Bonnie were kind of like more focused on um, becoming, you know, more than what they were. But, but for the rest of us, I think it was mostly just about having fun. So, you know, your talent wasn't as, uh, I mean, your talent was, of course, important to entertain people, but it wasn't um, as thought out, you know? It wasn't as cutthroat.
0: Has there been a period of time for you that you haven't found drag fun?
1: I think I went through a little bit of a downslope maybe in... uh, well, you know my boom years, or the years that I'm associated with often, were I think were the '90s, and I think you know after the club scene was kind of decimated, and I was growing a little older at the time too, and I had been you know part of a real big vital scene. It was a little bit uh, of a struggle just to find out where I was. I mean, you know, maybe that was beyond drag, but I think certainly with drag um, having cha- the scene having changed a lot, and my Role not being quite as vital, um, made me have to um explore different stuff and like kind of like um reinvent myself really.
0: What would you say your reinvention looked like?
1: My reinvention, well, I mean, it wasn't I? I I did improve my looks. I will say a lot because, um, I I really tried hard to do that and you know become more stylized. But also, it was just, I mean, it sounds cornball, but it was just more about an attitude because I had been often the behind the scenes person or doing collaborations mm-hmm. and, you know, elevating others, you know, and I like doing that. I always like working with others, but I really had to think, ah, time to be a little selfish now. I had to focus more like on Linda Simpson, you know, yeah. Yeah. not that I, you know, being out there and you know, being Linda wasn't sort of self promotion in a way, but it had to even be more kind of like businessy about it. So
0: you already touched upon drag race and in the past you've described that you find the drag on drag race mostly suburban. I said that.
1: Yes you did. <laughs> Guilty as charged.
0: So what type of drag excites you most nowadays?
1: Um well, rural drag. No, um uh Well, let's see. What kind of drag excites me the most these days? I I don't know. I would hate to say just one particular scene because I think there's interesting people that can come out of that suburban scene. I mean, that that sounds a little, you know, like I was dismissing everyone on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I said, I think there's some really talented people that come out of there. Of course. And um, I'm very interested always in youth culture and, like, how they interpret drag. Um... So um, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of any like you know newer bubbling scene or like you know trend that is making me sit up. But um, there are a lot of individuals out there I think that are interesting. Is there anyone you'd like to mention? Well, let me think. Um, I <laughs> no. <laughs> um, um, well, I. I just, I, again, I, 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 I'm on the spot here. Oh my God. Um, I don't want to say people's names and then leave out others. So I'm going to be diplomatic, okay?
0: Okay, that is fair enough. Can
1: I call in later if, when I tell you some people? Sure. All right.
0: So, uh, and also to touch on Drag Race, uh, within the current, Mainstream RuPaul has seemingly become the face of drag as a result of the popularity of Drag Race. Uh While it's, of course, important to acknowledge Ru's contributions to the scene, both past and present. Are there any queens that you feel deserve more acknowledgement and recognition from what they've done for the scene overall, other
1: than you? (laughs) Well, like I was mentioning, I came out of that RuPaul's Drag Race scene, and I think you know there's some knowledge about some of those queens like Taboo and Happy Face and Sister Mention, et cetera. But I think that they, that scene, and also there was another, um, uh, um, gay uh, club at that time in the East Village called the Boy Bar, which had its own shows. Um, really, that honestly paved the way for modern drag. It really did. And, you know, that was a scene that Rube came out of, too. That was her sensibility also. But it was, the emphasis was on individuality. Mm-hmm. Well, drag before had been more about, like, old school impersonations. Yeah. And not that we or people at the boy bar might not have done that, too, but it was in a different way, You know, you weren't overwhelmed by that character. So I think all that East Village scene was really, really, you know, I'll hold the banner for that forever. You know, I think not just because it was instrumental for me, but I think because it did set uh, things so in motion.
0: Gotcha. In your experience, do you find that queens today know their history and are respectful of it?
1: I'm not sure. I I mean, I do, um, in some ways, no, because I think that, Today's youth in general is not as interested in what came before them. Mm -hmm. Um, How? And I'm looking at you one. But um, (laughs) no, no. But I. But I. Um. I think that I do this uh, drag. Um. I do this slideshow called the Drag Explosion, and what it is, it consists of me narrating for about forty minutes, uh, the story of that eighties and nineties era, and the visuals are all photos that I took. From that era, and I find it's a very mixed crowd with a lot of like younger people coming in. Um, whenever I do these shows, and they really seem to enjoy it a lot. And well, it may be a surprise to them, or they might not have known all the specifics. There's some generalities I think that they know, and I think that they really enjoy it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I try to show it in an entertaining manner, but, but, but I think that it's. Um, I think when I was coming up, I didn't really know much about drag history. It was all it was all kind of muddled. So I think now it's easier to find out about your past, uh, the drag queen past, that is, because of the internet. Gotcha.
0: What do you think has changed most about drag, and what do you think has stayed mostly the same?
1: Well, what's really changed a lot is that it is now a viable profession for so many people. Um, when, in, as I mentioned, this drag explosion, um, drag was kind of discovered like in the early 90s, especially when RuPaul became famous with her hit single, Supermodel. And so collectively, drag really became a big, big thing on TV shows and music videos and movies, et cetera. But that um, eventually died. And I thought, that drag might become part more part of the integrated in the mainstream, but it was kind of you know decreed a trend. Now I think that drag is so integrated into showbiz and there's way of, of you know, keeping your own um, showbiz you know importance going with the internet et cetera, That um, drag is here to stay. So I think that's probably the biggest change. And it's just looked at, you know, it's treated more with more seriousness now or or more respect. Yeah. And um, some things that haven't changed, eh, you know, a lot of a lot of drag stuff. I mean, even lingo and like, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like um, interactions with drag queens are the same. I feel like, you know, drag queens are a little stereotyped as being real, like, you know, always fighting with each other and like, you know, Real competitive. But for the most part, I think drag queens actually kind of like really admire and like get along with each other very well. Drag queens are often, uh, you know, the only people that truly understand other drag queens. So I think that that's always nice. That kind of sisterhood that exists over the years.
0: Gotcha. I think one thing that ties all performers together, whether a comedian, a drag queen, a slam poet or whatever, is bombing. Huh. what's the worst you've ever bombed, if you have, and what did you take away from the experience?
1: Oh, boy. Well, here was my big bomb. Okay, you know Wigstock, the legendary yeah. drag festival that went on for years and years? Mm-hmm. I think it was, what year was it? I believe it was 92. And it was at Tompkins Square Park. Yep. I was one of the performers, and um, I had a comedy team. <laughs> And I had tested it out, at the pyramid. It went over well. But that year, um, that was when Rue was becoming famous. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people came that year that were not really very familiar with the intimacies of the East Village scene. And also it was hot. <laughs> yeah. And so, Bunny, right before I came out, like a couple of politicians spoke kind of spontaneously. And then I think someone fainted in the front row. So by the time I came out, it was not ideal. Anyways, my routine bombed, b o m b e d, and I was kind of humiliated. Um, However, I stuck around, wigs, and enjoyed myself. But the next day, I kind of like just really like you know I was depressed about the whole thing. So I went into damage control. And I plastered the East Village with my friend Mario with posters back when you could do that saying, you know, Linda Simpson, most controversial drag queen alive, you know, crucified by a slumming audience. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to, um, you know, make myself kind of badass by actually having been booed by this more, I not know booed, but not appreciated by this more general crowd. Mm-hmm. So you brought up um, Wigstock
0: and we had the revival in 2018 um, and consistently more recent years we have Bushwig. How do you find that Bushwig has compared to Wigstock wig in terms of audience, demographic, vibe?
1: Well, um well, you know, it's 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 truly um, shows how vast that Brooklyn scene is mm-hmm. and how vi- you know, energetic and vital it is. Um the show is different in many ways in that Bunny, Lady Bunny, you know, really curates yeah. uh wig stock. Well, Bushwig to me seems to be a little more democratic. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'm sure there's a sp- you know, what I made. Yeah. yeah, exactly, and there's stars that you know get more prime spots, but I think that they're they're more uh, liberal in allowing a lot of different kinds of people there, but. um but, um, but they're both kind of similar in that they're fun vibes, you know, and they're really like, um, it's an opportunity for the audience to be very involved, and a lot of people dress up. Um, as far as I saw for Bushwick and Wigs, uh, Stuck. I mean, I love the current space that Bushwick is in. That is it, the Knockdown Center. Yep. I mean, I think that's a great space. I wish like there was something. I know Bunny would like to keep Wigstuck in Manhattan. I wish there was something like that in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know what? I've been going to Bushwick several years and I think they've really upped their game too because it used to be um, at, what's that called? Um, hap, that hideout place, Happy. I can't remember what it was, but the stage back then was just like, you know, really rinky dink. And now the stage is gorgeous. Every act looks fantastic on it though. So I I will say they've really, really, um you know what I mean, professionalized.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's been a, a super peaked interest in like Brooklyn drag, um, kind of correlating I think with the win of Sasha Velour and oh yeah right in the Drag Race because I think that was a lot of people's foray into oh Brooklyn drag is can be kind of weird and quirky and mm-hmm. intelligent, not to say that other drag isn't but I guess that's how people started to perceive
1: Brooklyn drag. Oh right exactly and also you know now there's been more Brooklyn representation on RuPaul's Drag Race like Aja and so um you know. I guess the Acid Betty could even be considered part of that scene. Anyways, yeah. yeah, I think Brooklyn is kind of on the map, not just from that show, but just in general, because it has such a thriving scene. Definitely. And then finally,
0: to wrap this up, uh, we've asked this question to a few different queens, and I'm particularly curious as to your perspective. What would you say is essential reading, watching, or media consuming for those interested in drag and its history?
1: I mean, probably other people have mentioned this, but... I, th- I love that movie, The Queen, the mm-hmm. documentary, which is from the uh, 60s, uh, right right pre-Stonewall. And it's about a drag pageant. And the pageant was organized by the late, great, mother-flawless Sabrina. Yep. And it shows the contestants in and out of drag. And it's just really fascinating to see the restrictions and, you know, the liberation that went back on... Uh, when, uh, along with uh, drag back then. But um, also, I, I just feel like, you know, there's so many um, areas back then that were, you know, historical stuff. Like Divine, I think, is fascinating how she kind of broke out into the mainstream a yeah. little. The Warhol superstar scene was really great, you know, and that, I think, was really fascinating that gender benders were such an um, important part of that. And um, I love reading autobiographies, like, by... Um, 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 Hollywood lawn of that era, you know, Jane County. Do you have opinions on Paris is Burning? Oh, well, that's really a great, you know, primer too for a particular scene, but certainly drag is included in that. Oh, I, th- I'm, I mean, I think Paris is Burning is it still blows me away when I see it, and of course, Pose now is so popular. Yep, and um, you know, Pose probably wouldn't be possible without Paris is Burning. Well, I shouldn't say that. That means not like either of them invented the ball scene, but certainly in in kind of that representation. Yeah. And I really like Pose a lot. It's a very stylized version of that um era and it's more opulent, I think, than that era was. But I think it's really good and I think it's really you know, fantastic that they have such um, you know, reverence for that scene.
0: Not only that, like actual representation they have lots of drag queens actually working parts there yeah.
1: and trans i you know and i think most of them would even like you know identify as trans um and you know trans people of color yeah it's fantastic it's a very realistic portrayal cool
0: Alrighty. righty so where can the people find you follow you see you etc
1: well, um, ever heard of social media? Um, <laughs> I do have a website, lindasimpson.org, but I got to admit, I haven't been very good about updating it. And, but I'm active on Instagram, um, and Facebook. Um, not on my Twitter account is dormant right now, but I'll get by, back on it sometime. And, um, I also, um, as mentioned, host bingo. So I have weekly shows, Um, and you can find out about that at LyndaLovesBingo.com. And, um, and as mentioned, I did that Drag Explosion slideshow. I just did one, so I don't have anything right, um, lined up, but I'll certainly do be doing that again.
0: Cool. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, um, loved being here.
0: I'm glad.